0: And whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Hello and you're very welcome to the Your Politics Podcast. And today, for the first time in a long time, we're live on Twitter and Facebook and RTE News channel. So welcome to anyone who's watching us on those platforms. But first of all, we're going to speak to Sandra Hurley because Sandra is at this Informal EU Summit in Versailles. And uh, Sandra, I saw on your Twitter feed there the beautiful view over the Palace of Versailles where EU leaders are gathering. It looks like a fabulous spring day there, but I assume that's not matched in the mood as the war in Ukraine and energy are on the agenda and the Taoiseach's looking for some flexibility around our own VAT rates. so what, what, what kind of hearing is he likely to get there?
2: Yes well you come to me just as the 27 leaders are arriving here at the Palace of Versailles. We've just seen President Emmanuel Macron and Uh, Ursula von der Leyen as well and we are waiting for the Taoiseach but as you say while this summit has been on the agenda for some time the war in Ukraine overhangs everything here there's going to be very tricky discussions on defence and energy and I think particularly today the contentious issue of EU enlargement Ukraine of course has asked for that uh, to be swiftly taken through the accession procedure uh, and it would like to see some strong language on that today however as we know many EU states uh, push against this Denmark, Netherlands would be very much against it uh, and it is always contentious. Any question of EU enlargement and there are other states who are also in the queue, places like North Macedonia and Albania so they, they are also waiting. We're likely to see a compromise I think in the language on that but some eastern states are pushing for stronger language, something perhaps uh, referring to Ukraine becoming a candidate country at some time. Then on energy prices, many states pushing for action here here, Ireland looking for flexibility perhaps on the VAT rate on energy and that, that if there was any changes there that it wouldn't interfere with Ireland's derogations in other areas. And then another really difficult issue is the push by some countries, including France, for a greater and deeper common defence policy, also greater defence spending. And the big question there is also how you might pay for that. So certainly a lot to talk about as they gather for today and tomorrow.
0: OK, and we let you get on with uh, the, the leaders arriving there. Thanks very much for joining us, Sandra. And we're joined here in the Dolls Studio by Mihal Lahan, political correspondent for RT, and uh, no music for you, Mihal, <laughs> and Louise O'Reilly, Sinn Féin TD. No music. Um, yeah, great <laughs> atmospherics there in Versailles, um, putting on putting on a a big display Emmanuel Macron there but Michal the Taoiseach is going to that summit and ahead of being there he said he is seeking some flexibility so they can do more more than these measures they announced on excise on gas and petrol yesterday. What does the Taoiseach need to get out of this summit? He definitely
1: needs to get something because you can see the political pressure and the way it is at the moment in Leinster House. I think the government did have to act this week because there is a feeling that it probably may have to do something every week or almost every week such as the nature of the crisis, such as the anger among the public and such as the political pressure building. So you did have that 320 million intervention yesterday in normal times. That would be a very big deal indeed. Something that would normally be reserved for a budget day, but it's something that I think people will look this morning and say, feel that it has been eroded already. So the Taoiseach needs to get flexibility on VAT, as Sandra was saying. There is this fear that government have if they were to move in the direction of easing VAT on things like oil for home heating purposes, that at some point down the road they could lose the derogation that they have on that. They keep citing the example of the Czech Republic as to where that could happen. So they seem to need European cover as well as that in relation to diesel. It didn't, the cut on the excess there wasn't the same as it was on petrol. They're saying that's because of an EU directive. That would seem a relatively simple one to get permission on. Eamon Ryan Adamant today though, that they will work within the bounds of EU law, but signalling very strongly that they should get that approval, but will all that be enough? Given the na- the nature of things, given the price rises, at the very least, the Teesich has to come back with that. Do you feel?
0: Okay, and uh, that pressure, that strong political pressure, Mihal is talking about there, Louisa Riley. It's coming from yourself and your party colleagues, mm-hmm. largely. Do you have any sympathy for the government here in their argument that they are bound in some ways? by these EU by these rules, there are limits to what they can do here. And as the pa- Pascal Donoghue, the finance minister said, this is wartime. There are limits to what the government can do to protect people
3: now. Well, I think the government need to stretch themselves. And I think Mary Lou MacDonald made that very clear uh, when she was speaking at Leaders Questions, of course, uh, we stand um, with with the government in terms of what they're trying to do but they, what they have to accept that what, they're do, what they've done to date is just not enough. They need to stretch themselves, they need to actually realise the impact that this is having and they also need to look at doing fairly simple things that they could do at home. I mean I, I asked yesterday, I think it was the day before yesterday in relation to reinstating the work from home advice, you know, because that will take pressure off people. The people I was talking to yesterday and, and the day before putting uh, diesel and, and petrol into to their cars because they have to travel into town because they don't have a choice they have to travel to where they're working a lot of those were people who were during the pandemic working from home and they're now looking at the fact that they're, they're earning wages that are just not enough to pay for the bills to get them to the job and I mean that's a very worrying situation so the pressure that's coming on the government it's not only coming from the opposition benches and it is obviously led by ourselves and Sinn Féin coming from the opposition benches but you know if you're talking to backbench TDs in government parties they will tell you They are feeling the pressure as well. And it's very real. This is about making a choice between heating and eating. This is about making a choice between being able to go to work or not being able to go to work. And we've already seen, uh, you know, reports coming coming to us that people are about to be laid off because, uh, you know, this is going to have a really serious impact on industry. Let's not forget, we're coming out of COVID. There's an awful lot of warehouse debt for businesses as well. They're trying to get back onto their feet, get back up and running. And I suppose they look at the measures that the government have put in place. They see that it's not actually having any impact. The bills are still going up. The cost is still going up. we in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis I think not just the opposition but everybody wants to see the government really push out the boundaries now because they want to feel like the government understands what it is that people are going through um, at the moment and I think until we see that we will see uh, we will see a lot of So are of you suggesting a debt write-off for businesses or measures of that scale? Well what we had said actually was that they elongate the period over which people have um, you know the time that people have to pay it back. Um, and I think that would be that would be reasonable. But the reinstating the work from home advice, that's a very simple thing. You know, mm. that could be done overnight, that could be done very, very quickly. Is there and I think an
1: indication that, that government would look towards that? Or is that kind of informal agreement still in place in many...
3: Well, it's not in place because, I mean, you know and I know and we can see it, the The people, you know, like I see it. I live beside the train station. I see the amount of cars that are that are parked there in the morning. I see the M1 as like a car park again. So it's whether or not it still exists, and I don't think it does because it ended when the restrictions ended. It was never a rule. It was only ever advice. But the government can show leadership on this. You know, no, And what kind of could, response
0: are you getting from government... Well, I raised
3: it with the department and uh, I think it's on the it's on the government's agenda now. I just want them to look at it. You know, this is again, these are things that could be done that would demonstrate to people that the government actually understand and and can see where people are at at the moment. I, I've never seen people. Uh, as desolate and as desperate at the, as they are at the minute and it is really down to brass tacks with people at the minute and they're really fearful about what's coming. If you ring for a fill of oil, if you're living in, in Scaries or, or Balbriggan or anywhere, you ring for a fill of oil, first thing you're going to be told is we're not doing full tanks because they, they have to keep some back and the second thing you're going to be co- told it's going to cost twice uh, what it did the last time you, you filled it. Like People are making very serious decisions about whether or not they turn on their heating and it's cold. So, mm. I mean, the government have to realise that.
0: And Michal there is big
3: political pressure and huge public pressure now coming
0: on the government in relation to this but you sense that they're trying to play a game of expectation management you know trying to set the limits of how far they can go.
1: Yeah all the messages despite the interventions are being caveated with that they can't cover everything that it is a significant move by them but that the impact will still be felt and I think you could see political anger today too. Uh, in relation to fuel suppliers and the like uh, and allegations throughout the chamber that it hadn't been passed on, that the changes Mm. uh, that were passed by the House last night. Eamon Wright seemed to suggest that could be for two reasons. One is that excise is charged at the point that fuel leaves the depot, so maybe it would take a little while longer to be passed on. And also the volatility in the market that maybe Wednesday's drop in the the wholesale price, that that mightn't go through until tomorrow. But you can see the Minister for Trade, the likes of Robert Troy, uh, saying that any complaints should be directed towards the competition and consumer authority and long serving for the Gale TD Ferguson, I would speak you in fairly impassioned terms, talking about the need for dawn raids on forecourts to make sure that, that change is being passed on.
3: Yeah, but again, people want to see the government doing that, healthy That's what's annoying people. I've written to the, the CCPC, uh, I think that others have as well, to, you know, because. Whether or not, and to be honest, I wasn't convinced by Eamon Ryan's um, defence of the the, the oil companies this morning, to to be frank. But whether or not that's the case, people believe it is the case. Because they looked at the price of diesel last night when they were going home, as I did. They heard the big announcement from the government about the reduction in the price. They were driving in this morning, as I was, past the same petrol forecourts. And it's either the same or in some instances, in one instance, I'm thinking in my own area, it was actually more expensive than it had been. So people look at that and they think. Something has to be done. So you know, I mean, simple things that the government could and should be doing. They should be talking to the the uh, the fuel suppliers, and they should be telling them, you know, in no uncertain terms, they want to see that uh, price reduction passed on to consumers. But there is a real perception, and that's why I think the CCPC need to come in and act very quickly on this. Because if it's not the case, fair enough. And but if it is. They need to take very, very swift action. And and I would, you know, I would agree with those and the sentiment that was expressed. And I think there was maybe to offer an explanation for what had happened uh, by Eamon Ryan this morning. I wasn't convinced by it that's fair enough but it's it's more that people want to see that he, that he in his role as the Minister for Transport that he is going to uh, you know bring in the fuel suppliers that he's going to bring in the CCPC like it shouldn't be their backbench TDs writing to the CCPC this should be the, the, the Taoiseach the Tánaiste Eamon Ryan the three party leaders should be you know directly in, in contact with the CCPC making sure that they are going to be doing this so, investigation So he's saying that
0: the excise is charged when the few leaves the depot and the, these pro, these Uh, changes in excise will will probably kick in for consumers in the next couple of days. You're not buying that?
3: No, what he said was, I don't know why that's happening. This could be an explanation or there could be another explanation. And I'm not being funny now, but like it's leaders' questions. He's taken leaders' questions on a Thursday after we'd had a massive debate about the spiralling cost of energy uh, crisis. I think energy prices, I think people maybe would have been right to to expect that he would have actually known that. Um, and what he offered was, a, well, it might be this or it might be something else. I'd like to see him in the doll saying we've investigated this and this is where it is and this is when the, the price uh, decrease is going to hit and this is what we're preparing for. Because the other thing as well, and I think this is something I'm picking up from people Um, is the uncertainty you know it's it's kind of if I fill my car now is it going to go down or worse again is it going to go up if I don't and and there is that sort of worry and that uncertainty I think they wanted to see maybe a little bit more decisive leadership um, from coming from government at this stage
0: But the other argument from Eamon Ryan and across government is that this is ultimately Russia's fault this is the fault of global events so there's only so far the government can go here. I mean, do you buy that argument? They need to go as far as they can go, and that's the
3: problem. But is they, that they the, would the see that Sinn Féin is that isn't not looking going. at the bigger picture here. Of course, this is at, of course, we're looking at the bigger picture, but we're also listening to people who are telling us that they worry about being able to afford to half fill their tank uh, um, you know, of home heating oil when they could have done something on home heating oil last night. They didn't do it. They, they rejected really this a fairly
1: strong allegation by Piers Doherty that, that the Taoiseach ha- had misled the House, saying in relation to excise duty that, mm-hmm. that their finance are adamant, though, that it, it's not the same thing, aren't they?
3: Well, do you know, Piers has a, a PQ response that was given to Verona Murphy that would suggest that it is the same thing but again you know this is this is about recognising in the first instance we need to hear from government that they recognise that people are not in a position to fill their tank with oil and that means not in the position to turn on their heating and therefore we want to hear from the government what they're going to do if they don't want to do what we want to do well that's fine but they should be doing something and you know it's not simply a case you know being in government and they tell us all the time being in government is about making hard choices but it is about making decisions it is about showing leadership and it's not about just simply pointing at ideas that come from other people and saying well we're not doing that we're not doing that we're not doing that last night every single person and I know it was a a topic of discussion at the at at the uh, the party meetings for the government parties as well was like stop talking about what we can't do or what we're not doing please for the love and honour of God would you just tell us what it is that you are going to do and that's what people want to hear from the government that they understand understand there is a crisis and that they are prepared to take some action on it. And Michal, apart from
0: addressing the cost of fuel and energy and home heating, I mean, there will also be big challenges and obligations on the government and, you know, costs here, not least the humanitarian crisis, housing, providing services, education and health for Ukrainian people who come here. So how concerned are government about the pressures coming down the track Haskell Dunn, who was saying in the doll last night, that we're in for a difficult period economically.
1: Yes, even though in relation to accommodating people coming here from Ukraine, Michael McGrath, fairly clear yesterday that he thought within the overall budget that is set aside, the country's overall budget, Mm. uh, that the money is there. And of course, there are things like the Covid Contingency Fund in place as well that may not be necessary to be used in full anymore. So I think it's more the practicalities around this. And you've got a flavour of that in the chamber today with, The question of education came up uh, and Eamon Ryan said that efforts are underway already to maybe try and hire uh, Ukrainian teachers uh, to help uh, those young students uh, in the first weeks when they arrive here. Norma Foley also talking to our counterpart in Ukraine and some children are already into schools here. But the big commitment in schools has always been around resources and extra resources uh, like language support will be. Uh, so I suppose government are going to have to demonstrate that that will be paid out. And perhaps when it comes to education, uh, the record isn't as good uh, consistently as it could be. And the opposition point that out.
0: Louise, would you be
3: confident that all these needs needs could be could be met? Oh, I'm confident they could be met. Uh, am I confident that they will be met? Um, i, I- Look, we'll 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 have to wait and see. But my colleague Dunica O'Leara raised it directly with um, Norma Foley this morning during questions in relation to language supports, because for an awful lot of parents and and we have uh, Ukrainian families arriving into Dublin and also into my own area in Fingal and through a group I'm involved in, Fingal Communities Against Racism under the stewardship of of Lucy Michael, we're trying to put together some supports uh, for those people, for the the people who'll be arriving. But they're very keen for their kids to get into school. I mean, I can't imagine, and I don't think any of us can, what those kids have seen and what they've been through. But for children, school is routine. You know, I, I, it actually didn't strike me when I was thinking, I was thinking, well, actually a couple of weeks off school might be what they need, but school is routine. It's a little bit of normality. And parents are very, very keen to get their children into school as soon as possible. But that means that the language supports have to be put in place. So as I said, Donna O'Leary put it on the agenda for Norma Foley this morning. I know that she had spoken to her counterpart in the Ukraine as well. But I think it's it's a case of needing to see those supports arriving into the schools, you know. I mean if, if the school if you're in a school that is already perhaps overcrowded, that is already stretched in terms of resources, it's not acceptable to say that you have to take language supports out of your normal language support um allocation because that's already going to be used up. I mean you talk to anyone working in the in the school community, they tell you they're already stretched. It's, already stretched, yeah. it's extra it's extra it's money, it's additional money. It has to change, be. Yeah. And I think they need to look at doing some a little bit different which is maybe paying the money directly to the school to hire people locally to do the language support just as a short term measure not, not in the long term but the allocations are made over the summer for September for the new school year but the the kids are going to need it now and as I said it really struck me when I was thinking about it I was thinking God these kids deserve a couple of weeks off school but actually the the mums in particular they're they're really desperate for their kids to get into school because that's routine a little bit of normality their whole world has been turned upside down and so that's what we've been trying to do ourselves in in the Fingal Communities Against Racism is to put together Welcome packs and also to put together practical support. So, I mean, we had a call out last night in our WhatsApp group for um, I think it was a judo class locally. And again, the mum is anxious for her son to be able to do some of the things that he did back when he was in uh, when he was in the Ukraine. So like, th- these are these are things that, you know, on a practical level and at local level that can be done. But I actually think there needs to be some creative thinking, and if that involves giving an additional allocation to school principals in order for them to be able to get the services in for language support, I think that can be done in the short term. And then, obviously, longer term measures are going to have to be put in place. There's going to have to be additional accommodation, be it prefab accommodation or whatever. There's going to e- have Ryan to. be some way to terrifying that
1: what the, what the government seems to be clear on now: it is modular housing, and it is modular housing that probably won't require planning in the, in the mm-hmm. traditional sense. Do you think that will be straightforward? I
3: hope so. Uh, and I hope that it can be done quickly. Um, I think that's the that's the key, you know, because, uh, you know, you talk to anyone living in direct provision and, you know, I mean, a lot of them would have been told that they will be quickly processed through the system. And, you know, you talk to people who are 8, 9, 10 years in DP. So, you know, that can't be allowed to happen. And I think, you know, it, it has to be quick. Whatever it is, it's going to be done. It has to be quick. And there has to be consultation with communities as well. I mean, that, that has to happen. And that's not just about, Planning permission; they may be able to bypass planning permission, but they need to bring the communities with them, and I think that involves a, a huge amount of communication. But anyone will tell you, you know, if you're uh, if you're certainly anyone in public life, I've been inundated with people from the from the get go offering any kind of support that they can, and I think it's a case of trying to channel that, you know, and and you know the government recognising that people will do what they can at local level, but that needs to be matched with resources and and will. And on government. that, just what can be
0: done to bring communities with them, as as, as you say communication
3: that's mm. got that's going to be the key you know and actually acknowledging that uh you know that some communities are really really poorly uh resourced you know i mean if you're a teacher in a desh school the chances are even though you get the additional resources the chances are the resources that you have are going to be very very stretched so and you know people in the education system have been let down with promises in the past so they might want to see a little bit of concrete action from the uh, from the government and as I've said in the short term we need to see uh, we need to see something coming from the government particularly in the education space because uh, we know that I think it's 40% of the of the people who will be here um, will be children maybe even more mm-hmm. than that will be children they need to get into the school system really quickly that's a really good way to integrate people into the community and to integrate families families because they'd be meeting at the at the school gate and the kids would be forming friendships so again but it is about communication and it's about ensuring that communities are informed in advance you know what the plans are how they're going to be integrated and then the other thing and you know th- this is a going to be a very tough nut to crack is around um, the uh, healthcare you know, and the provision of health care. I mean, giving someone a medical card is is very good. You know, I, I suppose the, the survivors of the Magdalene laundry, some of them are still waiting on medical cards. So we know that a medical card is a very valuable thing to have. But doctors are saying they're already overstretched. so They don't know how they're going to accommodate that. Again, that's about communication and okay. opening up dialogue and all of government pulling in the same direction. And we all just stepping back and looking at the bigger political picture
0: here. It was interesting last night that TDs were debating in the Dáil what they hope is the final piece of legislation that has anything to do with COVID whatsoever. And that was set aside and it was straight into this latest crisis. I mean, for the government since the last general election, it's just been one big emergency crisis situation onto the next one, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say, ministers, that were kind of reeling in the aftermath of Tuesday's cabinet meeting, those memos looking at that dreaded thing called scenario planning because all the scenarios are either bleak or more bleak. Uh, they were fairly profound documents that if there hadn't been a crisis just preceding all this, I uh, would probably have sent the political system into real shock. Mm. Uh, but the fact that it didn't, the fact that there's kind of an uneasy familiarity about the whole thing doesn't make it any less challenging in the period ahead. I mean, the very fact that the word rationing has somehow made its way back into the political lexicon. It's been such a long time since that has happened. You can see the challenge for the system. And yes, the COVID issue is trickling out, but a new wave has well and truly crashed down Mm -hmm. on government buildings and Leinster House now. And I don't think the full scale of that is possibly even evident in the contributions in the chamber just yet, albeit they were impassioned and they were spirited and they were alarming for the last few days.
0: Mm, And there will be some reprieve for ministers when they travel for St. Patrick's Day next week. And there has been some talk about a change of tone to the St. Patrick's Day events uh, globally. What would you like to see... Done, Louise O'Reilly. Um, next week.
3: Well, there, there's going to have to. I, I think that the change in tone is going to happen. Mm. I think that that has happened in in all political discourse because the uh, the, the the brutal invasion. Uh, of Ukraine is actually it pervades everything. So I think that the change in tone is naturally going to happen. Um, and I assume that when Antishok is in America, he will be about the normal business as well as uh, as well as that. I assume he'll be speaking up for our uh, undocumented diaspora and etc. etc. But I suppose the one good thing I I, I thought it was a it was a very a decent gesture to say you know the greening wouldn't happen now, but actually the the monuments will light up in the in the colours of of Ukraine. And I think the international solidarity that the ministers will express should be, you know, is kind of a mirror of the sort of international solidarity that we're trying to express here at home. I think that will be kind of the tone. I don't think it will be like normal uh, like normal visits previously. I think it will be very different and it will be very much coloured by uh, what is happening in Ukraine.
0: And finally, Mihal, he missed out on it last year because of Covid. This will be a big week for the Taoiseach on the international stage, won't it? Yeah, in
1: Versailles today, then there's a trip to London at the weekend, and then the first uh, St. Patrick's Day visit to the White House for him, yeah. It's a big thing. It is it is now very different to what it would have looked like a fortnight ago. The tone uh, will be very different uh, indeed, but a key part uh, of Michal Martin's career, which looks like his time as Taoiseach now will have been about from beginning to end crisis management.
0: And Joe Biden
3: coming to Ireland at the end of What what do you think, Louise? Would you like to see him paying a visit? He'd be very welcome. Of course, he'd be very welcome. Uh, There's always a great occasion when uh, an American president visits. Uh, So, uh, yeah, of course, I'd I'd like to see that.
0: Okay. well, uh, thanks very much for joining us, uh, Louise O'Reilly. And thanks to Miolehan and Sandra Hurley. Uh, Thanks for all of those who listened or watched this on social media. And if you liked it, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks very much.